uh, regardless of the circumstances of life. So tonight, whatever our circumstances, we give thanks to you and we honor you uh, for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. And so we thank you for your merciful grace to us and kindness and salvation. What a joy it is for us to have the Word of God to open together and to um, have fellowship uh, uh, in these days together. And we pray that you might truly take the Word of God and make it come alive in our minds and our hearts and challenge us that we might serve and live for you. Now we pray for those ones who are, are on our heart tonight as, we've, as we do each week at this time when we gather as your people. We, we pray now for <clears throat> that person you've put upon our hearts. We pray that you might bless them in whatever their circumstance and situation. May they be drawn to Jesus Christ. May the power of God come upon their lives and may they be saved. May they come back to you. May they be healed. Whatever. May they be able to do their ministry, carry out their work, whatever it is. We, we present the ones that are on our heart to you tonight. And we come to the throne of grace asking for your help in time of need. What a joy and privilege it is for us to have the opportunity to come to you, Lord Jesus, as our great high priest. And we, we, do, not, we do not think lightly of that. We're grateful for what you have done for us so overwhelmingly graciously so that we might have life and hope and joy so now lord bless our time in your word and bless our uh, fellowship in the word together and it is good for us to have these times may we never take them for granted may we enjoy each and every one of them as you give them to us in jesus name amen well good to see all of you tonight and uh, what are we two more weeks in here ken no two more isn't it Is it one more? All right. So I'm going off of what Ken said. And so if we're wrong and we're back in here another week, it'll be your fault, Ken. All right. All right. That's very good. I'm glad that you reminded me because I have no idea what day it is. All right. Philippians chapter 2. All right. Here's my advertisement again. June the 2nd. 12 o'clock to 12.30, we begin on Facebook and YouTube, our two uh, various uh, channels, Time in the Word. If you can join me, I'd love for you to. Uh, if you know others who uh, you may not even want to join me, but you might tell them, hey, if you want to listen to Pastor Mike, uh, you know, uh, turn it on. We'll be brief, but I think you'll enjoy it. It'll be a little bit different approach than what I do my other time, but I hope it'll be an encouragement. So time in the Word, uh, starting on Wednesdays at noon, every Wednesday at noon, uh, 12 to 12.30, uh, Facebook church, Facebook page and YouTube page, and I'm excited about it. Be another opportunity to cast the seeds of the Word of God. <clears throat> tonight is, uh, <clears throat> you would think that tonight, we're going to be in uh, Philippians 2, 19 to 30, and those of you who are watching us, God bless you, we miss you. And I do hear from you and thank you for letting me know uh, about how you're doing. And we do pray for you. And there's a, a number of us here in this uh, choir room. The choir is preparing for a special night. I believe it's the 23rd. 23rd at 6 o'clock. And so uh, that'll be special. Steve and all the rest are doing a great job, as they always do. 
But tonight we come to this um, in the, inserted in the, in the center of uh, Philippians. We have these words about how God blesses the church with those who minister to the church. Uh, that's the focus of my comments around Philippians 2, 19 to 30. And I'm going to really try to stress to you tonight the, the feeling of Paul about his total dependence upon uh, just two men. His complete dependence. Now, obviously he trusted God, but you know God works through people to do His work in the church. Wouldn't you agree with that? And so tonight we're going to celebrate uh, because Paul spends these, this many verses, I mean from 19 to 30 in chapter 2, talking about two men. And they represent many others who were at Paul's side. So I'm going to try to work my way through this and uh, you be patient. We're going to read several places in God's Word and look at uh, this wonderful truth, how God blesses the church. The Philippian church was blessed not only by Paul, but by Timothy and also by this man named Epaphroditus. They weren't the only ones, but they're the two mentioned here in this long section. One, a spiritual son to Paul, and one, a spiritual brother. Now that's going to become very important as we go along. One, a spiritual son. One, a spiritual brother. So we read these, past, these words together. Philippians 2, 19, but I hope... Just, just listen to... Now remember, Paul's in jail. He's, uh, he's in jail. <clears throat> he's unable to do his ministry like he's been doing. He's in jail. But I hope... Listen to these words. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also <clears throat> may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Now I want you to just think about that verse. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. 20. For I have no one else. You all hear these words? I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, again, second time, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord. Now he trusts. He hoped in the Lord and I trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, 
so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and that I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. So now, let's uh, go back and look at this for just a moment. And look at this uh, first verse. Remember, Paul has no uh, cell phone. There's no cell service in the Roman jail. Uh, No internet. Limited in his ability to write this information on the technology had, some papyrus and some, you know, just the primitive tools of writing this one letter. One letter handed off to be delivered to the Philippians was carried by somebody, by a human being. Paul's words that we read today in 2021, recorded, written by someone who helped him and carried to a church. They didn't fax it. They didn't email it. Uh, They carried it by hand. One copy in the hands of a faithful, dependable somebody we don't even know. But in heaven he's known, or she's known, whoever. I want you to think about the importance of God's blessing on those who minister to the church. And the ministry is done in so many different ways. And knowing many of you in this room like I do, you've been the recipients of those who've blessed the church with ministry for all of your life. But they're all human beings who've been saved by the grace of God. So tonight, Paul is highlighting, and I'm going to highlight, the importance of how saved people bless the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in all kinds of ways. Look at this dependence here. But I hope in the Lord Jesus, 19, to send Timothy to you shortly. So that, please notice why, so that, I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Timothy's going to go, see what the situation is. Paul loved this church. He wanted to know how they were doing, and then he's going to receive the information back. So I want you to turn now. If you have your Bible, if not, you can just listen to me. But I want you to go over to the book of Proverbs for a moment. And we're going to go on a little journey tonight, some places. So just be patient with me. We're going to go... through the verses, and you have the paper anyway. You're spoiled people. You are the most spoiled people. The preacher writes it all out for you. You're spoiled. And I didn't print out all the verses for you. I did a few, but anyway, that's the end of my fussing tonight. I know you are. God bless you, and I love you. But you're still spoiled. I want you to look at this now. Listen, okay, now, now follow me, please. This is important. I'm trying to... I've been thinking about this all day, all, well, for, for weeks as I've been going through this. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. His only ho- his hope in the Lord Jesus is Timothy. Are you all listening to me? His hope in the Lord Jesus is in a young man from a, from a Greek-Jewish background 
that was his son in the faith. And we'll talk more about him. I've given you some information about him as a son, but that's not where I want to start. I want to start with what his job was. He was sent and he was going to be a messenger. He was going to deliver a message. Listen to this, Proverbs 25, 13. Now we're getting to summertime and we're going to appreciate this a lot more. Like This is Proverbs 25, 13. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest. Now that's what you want, isn't it? Any of you have ever done harvest of any kind? It's hot. It's going to get hot here. And that's when we want snow. That's when we want, what is this, short britches winter? What are we in now? What are we in? What winter are we going through? Some of you are looking at me, huh? Blackberry, okay. I know you don't believe me, but it's true. They have short britches winter, whatever that means. I don't know. I was told that when I moved here. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. Listen, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. When you've got somebody who's dependable, who's reliable, who will do what you ask them to do, and they carry it out, what a joy. I read on down, verse 19. Now here's the opposite. Like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in time of trouble. You ever had a bad tooth? You ever had your foot messed up where you don't have your balance? Well, that's what it's like when you count on somebody who's not faithful, who's not dependable, who's not reliable. But then you have 25. Proverbs 25, 25. Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. That's what Timothy was to Paul. He was like the snow at harvest. He was like refreshing water uh, to a thirsty soul. And so are you when you do what God calls you to do to bless others in the church. Not being a bad tooth. Not being like a useless foot. But when we are faithful and when we do what God's called us to do and do our part, it blesses the church. It blesses the church. So Paul's concern was about their condition and he only had one. Notice 20. Now I'm back in Philippians 2. For I have no one else. I have no one else. You know, um, doing ministry, there's never enough people. I've been doing this all my life, uh, just about all my life. And you know, we've always been calling out people to try to help. There's never enough. There's never enough. What did the Lord say? Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. We're always praying for more workers. We're always praying for somebody else to be faithful and dependable and reliable and do what God calls them to do. We're always praying that out of those that are saved and follow Jesus Christ, they'll stand up and discover their spiritual gifts and do something for God. You know, the Lord's not going to save robots. He's going to save souls, save people so that we do the work. It's done through God's people. And so I want you to see this desperation. Paul only has one hope to get the message back from the Philippian church. And it's Timothy. It all relies on Timothy. It all falls on him. 
and he must do his work. So I want you to think about this. And now, while we're just doing some of these things together, I want you to think about the importance of people and their reliability. Now I want you to keep repeating place in Philippians and go to Romans to the famous chapter that's never read. But I'm going to read part of it to you, Romans 16. Go over to Romans 16 for a moment. And I want you to see again, reliable, faithful people that God uses to bless the church. Paul starts writing here, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. We don't know what all Phoebe did. He says she was a servant to the church. This is 16.1 Romans. Uh, which is in, she's a servant uh, of the church which is in Sincrea. Uh, you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself also has been, look at this, a helper of many. We have no other idea about Phoebe. No other idea. We don't know if she's married. We don't know if she had kids. We don't know her, her ethnic background, Jewish or Gentile. We don't know. Chances are she's Gentile. Phoebe is the name. But she herself has been a helper to many. Notice this. And of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, three, fellow workers in Christ, who for my life risk their own neck. We're going to see that same Greek word later tonight about Epaphroditus. Risk their own neck. To whom not only do I give thanks, but also the churches, listen, of the Gentiles. Prisca and Aquila. And then also greet the church that is in their house. Greet a painetus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Look at that. The first one saved from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles who were in Christ before me. Paul's relatives. Some of them saved before he was saved. Greet uh, Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apelius, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristo Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet the household of narcissists who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena, Trophosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord. Also his mother, and look at this nice word, and mine. Paul had taken Rufus' mother to be his own mother. Greet Ascar... Um, uh, Asyncritus, Philegian, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brethren with them. Greet Philologus, Julius, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now, 
I take you over to Acts chapter 20. Let's go to Acts 20 for a moment. We go to Acts chapter 20, and this is Paul in Macedonia and Greece. And so it says here that when he had gone through, the, this is Acts 20 verse 2, when he had gone through those districts and had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece. We all know where Greece is on a map. And there he spent three months, and when a plot was formed against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Look at this now. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Phyrus, and by Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, first church, by the way, that Paul established, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, both from Derby, Tychicus and Trophimus of Asia. If you look carefully at where they're all from, Paul selected these men to go with him from all the places where he'd been planting churches. Pretty smart move. They were all with Paul, some Greek, some Jews, some Hebrews, some Greeks, and guess what they were doing? Sharing the gospel and doing it together. Paul knew something about taking a group of men and women and helping them to accomplish God's work. One other place, back in Philippians now. Philippians 4, uh, chapter two, uh, chapter 4, verse 2. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Whatever they're having a fight about, Paul said, get over your fight. They are true companion. Indeed, true companion. I ask you to help these women, notice, who shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. These are good women, but they're doing something silly. Get, get past the silliness, Paul says. And he says, together with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. That's what I want to get to. You see, God blesses the church with those whose names have been written in the book of life because God's people are to be working together with one another to accomplish gospel purposes. And so is our church. This isn't a, this isn't a spectator deal. You know, watching Pastor Mike, what in the world? You know, it makes me feel like I'm some kind of an animal in the circus. What in the world? It ain't about me. I'm just doing my part. Everybody has to do their part here. All of us. Because the church is blessed as we all do our part. This is what I'm trying to get you to sense and feel from these words. I as a pastor of this church, am completely dependent upon you doing what God's called you to do. It's the absolute, I have no one else. That's what Paul says. He's down to his last man. Will the gospel, will the, will the promise of God that he put on Paul be stopped because he's in jail? He's got one man. He's got one man to keep this thing going. I hope you sense and feel what I'm trying to say to you tonight. And God's put us here as the resource He has in this part. We're not the only church. I'm talking about our job. Whatever our job is at First Baptist. 
We have our own mission and purpose here. We're not trying to be somebody else in town. Whatever our job is and our task, it re- it's dependent upon you as well as me. So, Paul's spiritual son. I have no one else of kindred spirit. First of all, notice that I'm going to jump down to Timothy's character in the work of the gospel. He's like-minded. I gave you the Greek word here. You know what it means? This Greek word means same-souled. It's a fascinating Greek word. It's right here in your Bible. It says, he is, he is of kindred spirit. He is one of equal in soul, you can translate it, or it's actually better translated, same soul. You see the word psychos, uh, psychos, excuse me, on the end, psychos, isop, psychos, same sold. That's what we are in Jesus Christ. Folks, we're same sold. We're same sold. We've been born again to a living hope. We share an inheritance. There is this beautiful picture. So what did we have here? We have a, we have a spiritual father, Paul, who has taught his spiritual son And they have the same soul. That is beautiful. That's discipleship. That is discipleship. When you are able to see in your own spiritual children and the spiritual children of a church the same soulness of those who are the spiritual fathers and mothers. This is a very important principle. And Paul teaches us how to do it. He says, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely, look at verse 20, be concerned for your welfare. For all, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ. You know, it's kind of like, hey, you know what? I'd like to help you, but I got a lot going on in my life. <laughs> really? So we look for the faithful ones. That's who we look for. I wish I could say that everybody who came to our church is faithful. I wish I could say that everybody who came to this church was dependable. I wish I could say to you that everybody that comes to this church has a desire for spiritual things, but I would be lying. So our task is what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. So I'm adding it in here at this point. This is what Paul says. The very last letter he wrote before they, at some point, cut his head off. He says, 2 Timothy 2.2, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses Entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. And we know that's men and women. You te- it's men and women who know God, who walk with God, who have had, are you listening, a spiritual father or mother or both to build into their spiritual life. We are now in a, in a crucial period in the life of our church as it's always been. We are handing off from one generation to the next, the truths of the gospel. The church is one generation from extinction, always. All you got to go is go back and read the book of Judges. How'd that work for the third generation? Not very well. They didn't know God. They'd never seen the power of God. And they forgot God and became completely unholy. And He meshed into the world. One generation one generation from extinction. Oh, well, the Lord will do His work. Wait, but okay. We, haven't, we have a task to do. I believe in the Great Commission it says, go and make what? Disciples. 
I don't have a choice on that as the pastor of this church. We must be a disciple-making church. And when we make disciples, some of us have to be fathers and mothers spiritually to people, and we have to, we have, to have Timothys in our life. I'm going to ask you this. Who's your Timothy tonight? Some of you need a Timothy. That's why you're so, such a rascal. You, you're not spending your time on anything spiritual. You're, you're a rascal and you're worried about everything. Build into somebody's life and start to teach them about the truths of God. It'll change you, by the way. So he's like-minded. He's, I know you think, man, what's, what? I had a lot of Dr. Pepper before I got in here tonight, so you're just going to have to go with it. He's genuine. It's this whole thing of he's sincere. He's committed to the interests of Christ. By the way... Did we not learn this very important principle when we were studying humility in Philippians 2? When he says here, don't merely look out. This is, I'm reading Philippians 2, 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. This has to do with their spiritual life. It's not the idea of being nosy to get in their business. It's the idea of where are they spiritually? I'm asking you as my friends, do we care about the spiritual condition of others who've been brought to this church that we have a responsibility to train and teach? If you expect this pastor and the few pastors I got to do it all, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. We'll find the few faithful ones and do what we can, but there have to be more of us doing it. So he says he's known for his proven character. He has tried character. He says, verse 22, You all know his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. So he was committed with proven character. Dokime. He was tried character. And he served faithfully as a son with Paul. Some of you have been at it a long time in your life. I want you to go back, maybe tonight's the night to do it. Go sit down tonight and ask yourself, what's the condition of all the Timothys? And I'm using Timothy without male or male. I'm talking about those that, were, that you've discipled. What's the condition they're all in? Where are they today? Have you ever discipled another young believer in Christ? That's what the church is supposed to do. Well, we'll send them to the Sunday school class. Well, we'll send them down there to Brother Ken and R.A.s and G's. No, I'm talking about your responsibility. This is what Paul did, and he did it with numerous ones, as I've just spent a lot of time reading to you. Then he comes to his brother. That's his son. How many sons... How many spiritual sons and daughters are being produced out of the life of this church? I hope the answer is many, but I don't know if it is or not. So I'll answer for it. I know that. So that's why I'm making an appeal. I know what my accountability is. I'm ready to stand and do it. But here he says, Therefore I hope to send him immediately. As soon as I see how things go for me, 24, I trust in the Lord and I myself will also be coming shortly. And then he comes to his brother. Sons and brothers. Well, this sounds a lot like family. And, and in this room, we all come from a lot of different places. I would have never imagined 
when I was born in Oklahoma that I'd end up in Tennessee. And I'm glad to be here. I'm not fussing about it. I would have never imagined that. So it's the will of God. And you're here too. So here we are. Here we are in this place. Either fighting each other or laboring in the gospel. This is our task. This is our task. And so now he talks about his brother. This is the brother who comes from the Philippian church, delivers money to Paul. Now let's, talk, let's pause about that a minute for a minute. <laughs> you know, Paul had to explain to the Corinthians he was collecting an offering and he was trustworthy to carry the offering to the Jewish Christians who were struggling uh, during the uh, famine. He had to say that, you know, they're dependable and they're trustworthy. The churches, he collected it up from all these Gentile churches. He was going to take it back. <clears throat> One man gets the money from the Philippian church to take to Paul, and he's going to go to jail. The question is, does he get there with the money? Does he do what he's supposed to do? Does he carry out his job? Timothy, the son, is going to come check and see what it's like, come back and tell Paul. Epaphroditus, he left the Philippians as a brother in this church, with the money from the church and went to find Paul in prison, which we're going to see in just a moment, that's a risky thing. You show up in Roman prisons, you get a reputation. And he does his job. He's faithful. He's faithful. Look around this church and look for the faithful people. All ages. Who's faithful? Who's unfaithful? Who comes in here and thinks this is like, you know, going to the grocery store? Well, I used to go up there, but, you know, I don't kind of like what Pastor Mike wears when he preaches. Okay, who cares? Who cares? Well, you know, I used to like the music and blah, blah, blah. This isn't, we're not shopping here. This isn't the difference between Walmart and Costco. Who's faithful? Who picks up the Word of God? Who studies the Word of God? Who prays? Who shares the gospel? Who disciples? Who's going to step up, stand up, and serve God? That's what this is all about. If someone has been entrusted to you, if God keeps bringing somebody across your path, what are you going to do about it? Call Pastor Mike? Well, I'm, I'm happy to help. But God may be bringing them to you. Saying, I want you to do this. I'm entrusting this person to you. And some of you can't, don't think you can do it, but you can. Notice... Paul's fellow worker, he's his brother. He says, my brother, 25. He says, my fellow worker. Synergos is the word. It is a companion in the work. A fellow soldier. This word soldier is a word that has to do with, uh, it has, with labor and conflict. Look, Epaphroditus knew what it was like to suffer with Paul. They were in it. They experienced these things together. He was a member, he was, he was his, uh, verse 25, he was his brother, his fellow worker, his fellow soldier. He was also a messenger and he also ministered to Paul. All these things. He was one of common sympathy, work. He shared common danger and toil and suffering with Paul, his brother in Christ. And then it says in verse 30, he risked his life to complete what was deficit excuse me, deficient in your service to me. Now this is the word. I didn't put it in your notes. Paraboloni. 
There were those in the early church called the Parabolini. Parabolini. Now some of you are going to worry about this because I didn't put P-A-R-A-B-O-L-A-N-I. Parabolini. The Parabolini were... Now listen. This was their ministry. This is the early church. They were the risk takers. That's what they were called. Parabolini. Parabolini means risk takers or gamblers. It doesn't mean they were out going and gambling. It means they were putting their lives at risk for the gospel. You know what they did? They went and ministered to sick people. By the way, did you know in the day of Paul there weren't any antibiotics? Did you know in the day of Paul there wasn't a vaccination? Did you know in the day of Paul there weren't too many hospitals? He had Dr. Luke. But Dr. Luke was limited in his wisdom to know even what to do. Think about the times. Leprosy, all of the disease of the ancient world, the filthiness of conditions. These parabolini, they ministered to the sickest of the sick. And they went to the jail. Oh, now this is it. You see, if you go to a jail, the Romans suspect if you show up to see a prisoner, you're a criminal too. That's just the way they thought. And a lot of these parabolini were arrested and thrown in jail. Oh, you wanted to come visit the prisoner? Guess what? We'll just put you in jail with them. And by the way, Romans could do whatever they want. Who cares? And then you know what else they did? They also looked out to make sure that the Christian martyrs who were killed had a burial. They also buried those who were enemies of the church, that's right, who were thrown out on the pile. You know, when there was a plague or something else, they didn't bury people, they just threw them on a pile. We think our world is filled with harshness. We don't understand the harshness of the ancient world. We've been insulated. So that's what they did. They risked their life. And so you know what Paul says? He says, treat this man with respect. Honor this man who basically almost died coming to do this work. We don't know, Paphrodite. We don't know if he left his family. We don't know if he left his children. We don't know if he left his job. We don't know what the conditions are. But whatever the sacrifice was, it was great. And Paul knew that the Ephesian church, excuse me, the Philippian church knew what he had done for the sake of the gospel. And he says, welcome, receive him in the Lord with joy, verse 29, and hold men like him in high regard. Fascinating to me in the church, who are the celebrities? And I'm not going to go any further with that. It's fascinating to me. Who end up being the celebrities, especially of the American church? Hold him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service. All over the world, there are those just like Epaphroditus. All over the world, there are those who are sons 
who've been trained by a spiritual father in knowing Jesus Christ and now carry on the work. So I'm going to go on quickly to the, to th to the things we need to remember because I want to make this application to you. I love you in the Lord Jesus, but you know I'm trying to exhort you tonight. I hope you're listening to me. Number one, two are better than one in ministry in the church. Did you know that? Doing it on your own never works. This isn't Lone Ranger stuff. Paul at least had the sense to know he always had men with him. He always had men with him. That's the way you do it. He all, you know, women with our women, men with our men, we do it together. Two are better than one. We know that from the book of Proverbs, don't we? If you fall down, you got somebody to pick you up. Generally, you don't both fall down at the same time. Two are better than one. Every mature believer should have a Timothy. I believe that in this church. And I believe God needs to call out some who may be in this room tonight, who may be listening to me or listen to this at another time, and they need to, to, to commit that they would spend time with a Timothy. We've got them in our church who are serious and who want to grow spiritually. Who's going to step up? I can only do Bible study so many weeks. Look, I... I'm happy. I, 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 do, I do Bible study on Tuesday nights. I'm thrilled to do it. I do Wednesday now at noon. I'm going to do Wednesday night. I do Thursday night. I'm, I'll be, if I could do it every night of the week without Pat throwing me out of the house, I do it all the time. But we have to multiply. If you're sitting on good information and you have knowledge, I think the Lord may say to you, so what are you doing with what I've given you to do? Wake up. The church should produce spiritual fathers and mothers to train the next generation of Timothys. See, I don't know if we have a process for it in our church. I'm just declaring it and I'm on the pastors about it. I don't know what we need to do, but we need to deal with this issue. Paul dealt with it and raised up generations of Timothys. Titus was another one. Two books for Timothy, one book for Titus. The church must be a disciple-making church if we're to obey the Great Commission. And I am convinced the church thrives as God's people work together for the gospel. And I read to you from Romans 6, 16. Uh, let me give you also 2 Corinthians 8, 23. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. At the end of Philippians, Philippians 4, 3. Indeed, true companion, I ask you to help these women, as I re read to you, do the work. Philemon, 124. Mark, uh, Aristarchus, Demas. This is before Demas left Paul for the world. This was, this was before Paul had to write the sad words in Timothy. Demas has forsaken me, loving this world. That happens sometimes. But you keep going. You keep going. And so you see here a third John 1 8, therefore we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers. You see, the power of spiritual multiplication comes when we carry out discipleship. That's the beauty of it. That's the joy of it. Someone says, What value is this if I'm just spending a little time praying with somebody? Well, what value is it that your mama spent time feeding you? day after day when you were helpless and couldn't do anything for yourself. I'll tell you, you're, you're sitting here tonight. 
because somebody spent time that seemed like it was of no value. Heard some mother say the other day, I just think I'm wasting my life. All I do is spend time with my kids. I said, that's the greatest privilege you have. Sounds like your husband needs to help you. What good does it do if I teach one person God's Word? Are you serious? Are you going to ask that question? All right. You can tell you need to get out of here. It's like, okay, thank goodness his time's about up. So what's your daily use for this? Be available to train a Timothy. God will bring people in your life if you pray. If you say, Lord, I'm ready to... You don't even have to have Pastor Mike assign them to you. They'll show up. It's like, okay, why does this person keep coming around me? Hello? Submit to spiritual discipleship. You know, you can't disciple somebody if you have never been willing to be discipled yourself. And honor those who labor in leading and discipling the church. I love Paul's word. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard. Yes, those who are like Epaphroditus, that's who we hold in high regard. And we ask God to bring a new believer into our life and to help us train them for the gospel. Well, maybe some of us tonight need to become a part of the new ministry at First Baptist Church. The parabolony, the risk takers and the gamblers. Oh, somebody said to me one time, well, you know, I'd spend time with that person, but I don't know if they're going to like me. What kind of a comment is that? It's not like they're going to come look at you and see what kind of clothes you have on, what kind of perfume you're wearing. You know, there was a study done recently, uh, the pastors and I have been looking at a, a youth survey uh, out of all these pitiful days we've been through and all of these decisions that have been made about forcing kids, uh, students, and children about school. Oh, now this is the United States, and I'm certainly not trying to be political. That's a waste of time. That's always a waste of time. The gospel is the only thing that matters. But in the survey, uh, it did say that um, they were, they were um, I'm trying to remember the survey size. It was a very large size U.S. survey of uh, students from 13 to, I believe, 18, 13 to 16. And they did this polling as they do. It's all scientific, well done, with good uh, research. The one, uh, the one question that stood out that was very interesting is how many of these students desire, and, and in the survey it's a different word than we would use, but it's the same idea, a mentor. There it is. There it is. So if you consider that half, uh, half of the uh, uh, children in this country have uh, come from a divorce situation, not all those situations work themselves out well. Uh, many of them face uphill difficulties and struggles. And uh, when, you know, when they had school, they had some of that. Well, take that away. Uh, this was a survey, you know, not just of church kids. It was a survey of just uh, students. So compound that and take that and look at what uh, we face here with Tim and uh, with our young adults. Uh, if you've never been trained, you don't just pick it up like by showing up at church, like it somehow gets on you. It doesn't just get on you. 
like a virus. You have to be taught and trained. So we, we, uh, we end where we began. Paul says, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy, someone who'd been trained, someone who was his son and equal in soul, same souled, to do the ministry. And when Paul was finishing, what did he do? He wrote Timothy and Titus and said, keep the ministry going. And oh, by the way, by the book of Hebrews, it says, Timothy has been released from prison. Interesting, isn't it? Timothy's been released from prison. Sound like he followed Paul all the way to the end, even though he got cold feet at one point. Well, may the Lord bless you all and may He give us wisdom as we hear His Word. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Paul's testimony here. It raises up the issue for all of us. It raises up the issue. It raises it up for us to step forward and say, either I need to be trained to follow Jesus, or I need to step forward and train others to follow Jesus. Give us wisdom as a church to know how to do it. Give us the patience to do it. Help us to labor just like moms and dads do for year upon end with their sons and daughters. May we do the same.